welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. again we have been in the book of Matthew and the fifth chapter and that is where I would like us to go again today Matthew chapter 5 and the portion has already been read amen I want to just read from verses 10 through 13, just to refresh our memory. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you one more time. We give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you the glory. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, privilege to open your word one more time. Thank you, God, for another opportunity to speak your word. Pray that you would use me as your instrument to minister to the hearts of your people. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give us all receptive hearts that we would receive from you. Help us, O oh God, not only to be hearers of your word, but to be doers also. Bless our time together as we Continue in this our time of worship. May you be glorified and exalted. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. We have been examining where we saw in this uh, section of the scripture that is known as the Beatitude 
we saw where Jesus emphasized the character of those who would be citizens of God, of the kingdom, and the blessedness of the citizens. He described that in our text that we have looked at over the past uh, few weeks. We, we said that Jesus was out ministering. It's important again to put it in its context that he was preaching the gospel and uh, there were those who were bringing sick people to him and he was healing them and those sickness that were associated with demonic activity was casting out the demons and setting people free and as he labored as he ministered he was tired the bible say and when he saw the multitude he was just overwhelmed. You know, Jesus was a man. Oh, yes, he was God, but he was a man. He was overwhelmed by the multitude. And so he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, the Bible says that when he got a little time to refresh himself, his disciples came to him. And the scripture said that he opened his mouth and he taught them. Amen. He taught them. In this final beatitude that we are looking at here, Jesus implied the attitude the world would often display towards those who are kingdom or for citizens of the kingdom. So the world will revile and persecute you. The world will say all kinds of evil against you falsely. The world will persecute those just as those of us who name the name of Christ, just as they persecuted the prophets. And there are three kinds of persecution mentioned in this particular passage. First, being reviled. He said they will revile you. That is, they would verbally abuse, insult, mock, and scold you. He said they will persecute you. That means they will hurt you. They will ostracize. They will attack. They will torture. They will martyr you. And he said they will speak all manner of evil against you. That is, they will slander you. They will curse you. And they will tell lies on you. But you notice he says, for my sake, for righteousness sake. Because I want to say to us that if our persecution is not for righteousness sake, then Peter says to us that we should take it patiently. That if the hardship that you are going through the mistreatment of people toward you are not for righteousness sake, then you ought to take it patiently. For it is your just reward. Oh Lord. See the Bible says that our suffering as Christians should be for righteousness sake. Not because of any fault that we have. Peter said, if you be buffeted 
ill-treated for your faults, then you are to take it patiently. But if your suffering is as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ and the righteous stand that you took for Christ, the Bible says rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For it's in the same manner that they persecuted the prophets that were before you. Persecution in and of itself is a paradox. It's, it, it's self-contradictory when you think about it. Think for a moment. Persecution reveals the true nature of the world that this world is an evil world. That's really what persecution does. It reveals the true nature of this world, that it is sinful, that it is evil. Think for a moment. Christians stand for righteousness, telling people to get right with God, telling people that there is a judgment coming, telling people that God demands righteousness, that God loves people, that God cares for people. And then in the midst of all that, they are being persecuted. They're not doing anything wrong. They are simply loving people. Christians are simply loving people. When we tell people about Jesus Christ, we are demonstrating that we love and we care for them. When they in turn persecute us, they're really bringing forth the true nature of this world, that it is evil. And that's why John the Apostle says to us believers, do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, the world has a system. And the whole system of this world is contrary to God. So John says we can't love it. And say we love God at the same time. Say all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. That it is not of the Father. It is of the world. And the world passes away. And the lust with it. But those who do the will of God. They abide forever. So believers are persecuted. Because they are not of the world. They are called out of the world. They are in the world but do not belong to this world. That's why the Bible says to us believers that we are to live like those who use this world but not abuse it. Amen. Jesus says in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would have loved his own. 
but because you're not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus said to us that we are going to suffer persecution. And those of us who take a stand for righteousness will always be persecuted. Yes, Jesus says to us, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hates you. See, if I had not come and spoken unto them, then they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin because I have spoken to them and now they know what the Father requires. That's the implication there. Now that they are exposed to what the Father requires, there remains no more covering, no more cloak. Oh, Lord. So Jesus said to, to us here that, as he said to his disciples, that they shall suffer persecution because the world does not know God. The world does not know Christ. The world has a concept of God and the, the world's idea of God, and this has crept into the church, the idea of a loving grandfather, and he's always there to do whatever his children want, and, uh, or his grandchildren, and uh, it's all right for you to live how you want, in the end, once you're not too, too bad, then grandpa is going to overlook it. And then it's going to be all right. But the God that the Bible presents to us is a God of righteousness, a God of judgment. Amen. And somebody say amen. A God that demands righteousness. It's not, he, he does not request righteousness. He demands it. And if we do not fulfill that demand, we are closing ourselves off from him. He demands it. And in order for us to be what he wants us to be and to be his children to reflect his glory, we have to live righteously. The Bible said the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This world, this old sinful world, we are to live soberly, righteously and godly we look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ so Jesus says to us that the attitude toward those of the kingdom the world's attitude will be one of persecution Yes. He said they will persecute you. 
because they do not know me. And it's interesting as Jesus expanded on this in teaching his disciples, he said to them that not only will the world outside there, but religious people will also ostracize you. He said, they shall put you out of the synagogue. And he said, yes, the time will come when those who kill you will actually believe that they are doing God's service. That's how deceived people are and will continue to be. He said, those who kill you will actually believe that they are doing God's service. We see this, I read of it in the history of the church, what is known in church history as the Dark Ages. There were those who took a stand for righteousness and they were murdered and the system, the church went on just normal because they were considered heretic and they were to be killed. And they believed that when they killed them that they were actually doing God's service. That they were purifying the church. All because they took a stand for the Lord. Jesus says, none of us are to be moved by our afflictions or our persecution. None of us. For we are appointed to this. This is part of the journey. This is part of the road we all must try. So I'm saying to us, brothers, sisters, that as we strive to please the Lord, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be hardship, but we cannot give up. We must not give up. And we cannot give in. We must not compromise or stand simply because the battle gets hot. No, we have to remain true. We have to remain faithful to the Lord. Amen. For it is he who calls us. Amen. And he calls us to a life of faithfulness. That in the end, God is going to vindicate you because God has the final say. Amen. It's not man. It is God. So you are going through your rough time, through your rough period, through your difficulty. And you know that it is because of the stand that you took for Christ. Because of your love that you have for him. Amen. Do not allow yourselves to be derailed. Remain focused. Amen. Peter says to us, do not think it's strange when some strange things happen to us. Amen. Because we are striving to please the Lord. And because we are striving to please him, there are going to be difficulties. There are going to be challenges. So that is the attitude the Bible says that the world will demonstrate toward those who are in Christ. Those who 
are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then what should our attitude be toward persecution? It should not be one of retaliation or any sense of spiritual superiority that it is because we are spiritually superior to anybody why this happened. Mm -mm. The Bible says that our attitude is to be one of joy and gladness. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The Bible says to us that when we are persecuted, our reward is great. There is a promise to us of great reward. There is the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, that we experience. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Yes. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost that in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your tears, in the midst of your trial, you still have peace. You still have joy. Amen. You're still able to rejoice despite the difficulties, despite the challenges. Despite what you're experiencing, you're still able to rejoice in your God. You're still able to give God thanks. Jesus says there is great honor. There is special consolation. There is a special closeness that goes along with those who are persecuted for the Lord's sake. Yes, and those who are persecuted have the, now the ability to become great witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is here, that is now my friend, and when we think about the reward, the promise of the reward that is eternal, we cannot but rejoice and give God thanks, give God praise, Give God honor and give God glory for reaching down in mercy and reaching us where we are, for reaching down in his mercy and saving us, for reaching down in his mercy and rescuing us. We cannot but give God thanks. We cannot but give God praise. Amen. So he said, blessed are you when men shall revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For it was the same thing that they did to the prophets that were before you. And their reward is great. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So your reward is also going to be great as well but then Jesus reminded his disciples and informed us that we are the salt of the earth 
and that we have a special special responsibility uh, as a believer you are the salt of the earth and you have a special responsibility because salt is something that is distinct by nature and by purpose and so are believers we are distinct by nature because we are born again by the Spirit of God and the Bible says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all the things are passed away and behold all the things are become new if we are amen born again through Christ Jesus then we are the salt of the earth and every time that we hear the gospel all of us should go back and make sure that we uh, go back in retrospect and recall our own salvation experience that day or that night when we were born again that is of absolute importance for every child of God for every person for that matter because there are people who were brought up in Christian home but they have never made a commitment to Christ and they are coming to church and they believe that they are saved but they are not really saved they are not because they have never surrendered their life to Christ and those are often the people with a whole lot of problems when it comes to church because they are not under the leadership of the Holy Spirit they are religious and they follow the religious rules to the T. But when it comes to Christ living in them, that is another story. Oh, yes. But the Bible says that we are different by nature because we are born again. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Peter said we have been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of god which lives and abides forever so salt is different by nature and believers are different by nature different from the world by nature salt is also different by purpose and likewise we are also different by purpose we are the salt of the earth and if we are the salt of the earth the Bible is teaching us that the church is a salt factory and this is where the salt is the church one of the big problems is that the, the church stores the salt. It does not dispense the salt. It's stored up. But in order for the salt to have its real influence, the salt has to mingle with whatever property you want to restore or want to influence. Am I talking to us today? Salt here speaks of influence 
Salt enhances flavor. And salt preserves. Oh Lord. Based on the context that we are looking at here, it is probably salt's ability to enhance flavor to which Jesus was speaking here. For he says, but if the salt loses its flavor, salt has the ability to give flavor to that which is otherwise bland. And uh, Job puts it this way. He says, can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? And in Job's time, it's an emphatic, no, it's tasteless. But we are living in a different time. And when it comes to salt, you know, it's a, it's a whole different concept of salt. I was just reflecting the other day and I thought, I've, I've been around for a long time, you know. You probably don't think so. But I remember when salt was not fine and crushed as it is. I remember when the salt was coarse salt. That's in little lumps. Yes. And uh, when the fine salt came, everybody gets civilized. And nobody used the coarse salt again. But then the coarse salt was the good one. And we get so civilized. I remember as a, oh Lord, sometimes I reflect, I think, I, you know, I just to myself, and I just um, when the fine salt came out, we started using the coarse salt for the hot feed. And uh, as boys, we have that responsibility of cooking the hog feed at the night. And my father broke those hogs so bad. I got so much licks for that hog feed. <laughs> because he broke them so bad that if the feeding didn't have salt, the hog would not eat it. And he passed by and said, the feeding and the hog would eat it. Boy, did you put salt in the oxygen and bam, bam, bam. The hog would not eat it. And then I visit my friends and see their, their hogs. They just peel the skin and throw it out and the hogs eat it. But then, our hogs, we have to make sure it's clean and cooked properly. The small potatoes and man, those hogs that really need some licks, you know. <laughs> no, I'm serious but that's how he raised them and then the good salt that people should be using now they go to the fine salt and all of a sudden you hear about sodium and high blood pressure and things fine salt everybody wants to be civilized fine salt but the Bible says salt is good. But if the salt loses its favor, it is therefore good for nothing. Mm. Believers as salt 
we make the world palatable to God. Mm. Yes. And perhaps making it possible for God to continue to bear with this wicked and distasteful world because we are salt. We are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that preserves. Yes, we preserve it. And the idea of a righteous few holding back the wrath of God is something that is common in scripture. When, when God was about to destroy Sodom, God said, no, I, I can't do anything without Abraham. I have to tell him. I have to tell my son Abraham. And God told Abraham what he was about to do. And Abraham said, God, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? What if I find 50 righteous in the city? Would you destroy it? God said, no. And he said, by the way, let's say that 50 short five. And I find 45. Would you destroy God said, no. He said, what about 30? God said, he said, no, don't be angry, Miller. What if I find 10? And God said to him, if you find 10 righteous in the city, I will not destroy it. And the Bible says, when God made that statement, he ceased speaking to Abraham on that matter. I mean, case closed. But Abraham could not find 10. There were not 10 righteous. And we have to take the word of God as it is that if there were those who were righteous, if they had met the requirement, God would not have destroyed the city. No, he would not. Because he gave his word. But because they were not there throughout the whole city, could not find ten righteous. Could not find ten who fear God. I'm saying to us that as the salt of the earth, we are the ones who make this world palatable and possibly allowing or causing our God and Father to bear with the wickedness that's going on in the world. Friends, this world is a wicked world. It's an evil world. Yes, it's a wicked world. It's not a good world. This world system is wicked. It oppresses people. It destroys life. It's wicked. But God said to us that we are the salt of the earth. We are the ones who give flavor. Oh, Lord. That when, when, when God looks, it's not the wickedness and all of those things. You see, but he see us, the righteousness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is able to bear with. Because he's righteous, friends. He is a God of judgment. And that's not the God that many people picture today because we are experiencing his mercy. But one day mercy is going to run out. 
One day mercy is going to run out for you. One day mercy is going to run out for me. And God remains ever merciful. But each of us will come to that point. Human beings reach that point where God says, enough is enough. And that's it for you. The door of mercy is closed. So the idea of a righteous few causing God to hold back on his wrath is something that we find in scripture time and time again. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. God said to Jeremiah, run ye to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if there be any that executeth judgment and that seeth the truth. And God said, I will pardon it. If you can find any, I will pardon it. Jeremiah could not have found any. So from God's point of view, the citizens of the kingdom give the world flavor. Mm. Bear with me here. Jesus warns against salt losing its flavoring ability. If the salt loses its saltness, how is it going to be salted? Now, the truth is, pure salt never loses its ability. Pure salt. If the salt is pure, it can stay by itself for, as a matter of fact, when they go to harvest the salt that has been there from ancient time, and it is still good, it still has the ability to season or to, to salt, to give taste to my Am I talking to us? Pure salt never loses its ability. Salt loses its ability when it is mixed. And so as they would harvest the salt, they had to be careful that there are no mixtures in the salt. And it is said that when the salt has mixture, it is just useless. That it cannot, it's not good for the soil because it destroys vegetation. And so Jesus says, when the salt loses its saltness, it is good for nothing. Why is it useful? It's to just pave the street, trodden under the foot of men. History tells us that's, that's what they do with salt when it's no good. Because if they put it in the soil, the land becomes barren. So they just throw it out and people walk on it. And Jesus says when the salt loses its ability to give taste, all that is good for is to be thrown out and for people to 
walk on it. Mm. We too can lose our flavoring ability. Yes. We can allow ourselves to cease to become that flavoring agent that God designed us to be. And we can allow ourselves to be in that place because we allow mixture in our lives. God says, evil communication, what? Corrupt good manners. And so as salt, as a believer, as a child of God, you have to be careful who you associate with. Don't sleep yet. You have to be careful as a child of God who you associate with because evil communication corrupts good manners. And so because a person says, well, I am a Christian, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you delve in wholeheartedly because that person might say, well, I'm a Christian, but that person is messed up. Oh, Lord, nobody with me. There can be a whole lot of mixture in that person's life. And so they are not, amen, flavoring. They're not preserving anything. Bible says that we can have a name. And that's all we have a name. Yes, we want to have more than a name. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, just before you get the wrong idea now, evil communication corrupt good manners. But you don't have to be in communion with another person to be corrupt. Uh, you can be by yourself and you are still messed up. You can isolate yourself and you're still messed up. Jesus says, it is from the abundance of the heart that evil comes. Yes, so if you have a heart that is not regenerated, then all kinds of evil will come forth whether you're by yourself or not. And so the Bible says to us believers that we are to be careful to maintain our preserving ability. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7, and I want to read. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not once be named among you as become saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jestings which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
So we have to be careful to ensure that we are purged from these things. Yes, we have to ensure that as we live our lives from day to day, that we learn to let go, that we learn to release others, that we learn not to harbor ill feelings, that we learn to, am I, am I talking to us? Because these are the things that corrupt us. These are the things that hinder our progress. And so we find ourselves living, but we are just going around in circle. We are not making any progress. We are not going forward. We are just going around in circle, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They spend 40 years just going around in circle, going around. They, they reach this spot, and then they travel for so many years, and then they come and say, didn't we pass here before? And this is the reality in the life of many of us Christians. We just keep going around in circle. We never move beyond that boundary. The Bible said that salt is good. But if the salt loses its ability to give flavor, then it is good for nothing. It is to be thrown out and to be trodden under the foot of men. The Apostle Paul, his prayer was that when he preached to others and preached them into the kingdom, that he himself would not become a cast out or a castaway. So he said, I keep my body under subjection. Amen. I keep my body under subjection that when I preach to others, I'm not preaching out myself as I preaching others. Do not lose your salt. Do not lose your flavoring ability. The Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. Don't get too close to the world and the world system. Stay with God's system. Can I get an amen? Stay with the system that God established. And you're going to be alright in the end. Don't allow yourself to become worldly. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, it is of the world. The world passes away. And the lust along with it. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. So the Bible says to us believers, we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt. And pure salt will always be salt. But if the pure salt gets mixture in it, then it can lose its flavoring ability. And Jesus says, if and when that happens, it is no good. It is to be cast out and to be trodden on the foot of men. God has made it possible for continual cleansing for us, a salt, that we can throw off those things that are not 
convenient, those things that are not good for us, we can throw them off. And we can develop that right attitude that God wants us to have, one that is fit for the kingdom. And so we become, can become agents of righteousness, influencing people into the kingdom of God. May God help us. Amen. As we bring them in, as we bring the wanderers to Jesus, as we intentionally share the gospel with them, that, amen, God would grant us grace, God would grant us favor, and we would see lives change and transformed for the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. Keep on salt. Do not lose your saltness. Keep on salt. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks, we praise, we adore, and we magnify you. Thank you today, Lord, for your word. Thank you for making us the salt of the earth. Help us, O oh God, to be true to you to be faithful in our service, that the Lord will be able to flavor, the Lord will be able to change, to transform, make a difference in this world. We give you thanks, Father. We give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory. May your word find lodging place in our hearts as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.